Running Buds. Welcome to the Running Buds podcast with Steve McNamee, the ageless wonder in Ohio, and Charlie Lambrix, that's me in the fine state of Utah. How are you, Steve? I guess I'm ageless, Charlie, and I guess I'm uh, I'm ageless, but uh, I am uh, I, I do have to brag that uh, apparently I guess you kind of know this, but according to one television station locally, I'm the face of uh, running in Northwest Ohio. Yeah, Toledo was named like the third best running city. Um, I, I know I know Runners World did a top fifty years back, and Toledo didn't make the top fifty. So I'm curious how they jumped from fifty one, assumingly, to number three. Yeah, I don't know. These lists, I mean, they're 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 fine, they're fun, but they're they're complete nonsense. They throw so much crap at these lists and churn out the the weirdest results. So it's a fine city to run in, but um, top three, top five, I don't know. The lead is, though, that you yes. are the face of the third best running city in the United States of America. How did this come to be? So somehow, um, me running, um, I mean, I'll back up a little bit. Uh, there was a new story, I guess it would have been, um, what was it, last year? Gosh, time flies. Um, that uh, um, I was just interviewed about, uh, gosh, it was so long ago. Uh, I think it was like the cancellation of Chicago or something along those lines, but I was filmed running. So that became file footage. So now anytime there's a news story, um, that, that file and, uh, I, I hear about it. Um, and I don't really watch the news. You so are the I, I'm told about it. guy. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> it's it's cool. That's it. I'll go with that. Congratulations, man. Well, thank you. Podcaster extraordinaire. I heard you showed up to one race. You didn't even have any shoes or anything. Everything was locked in your car and they just gave you a bib anyway. Is this true? <laughs> uh, you know, what is true is, is we got a pretty big shout out at a, at a, at a large race um, while I was standing on the start line and, and that was unexpected. And, and thank you to Vince for that. Vince was the uh, MC of the race, and uh, yeah, Running Buds got quite a quite a nice little shout out. What race? Four mile race I did, um, and I uh, I laid an egg in the race, but uh, the high point was getting a shout out before the race. So that that was nice. So you were in the starting corral for a four mile race. How many thousand people ran this race? Um, I, I couldn't tell you a lot, like a hundred thousand, maybe I don't know. Nice. And Vince, the the MC, uh, said, "There's Steve McNamee um, from Running Buds podcast." Yeah, uh, yeah. It's the, I mean, you didn't even you weren't even there, and you know exactly how it went down. Yeah, that's that's basically what, it. Was I mentioned? No. What? No, it was um, it was it was me, and uh, um, and he said, "There's another guy." <laughs> um, I, I don't even I'm trying to I don't even know if my name was used I, I think it was just uh, maybe I w it was but it was it was more if you want a good podcast check out uh, the running buds ah so. and if you ever need some stock footage of a guy running in Toledo <laughs> same dude I do um, not know how yeah I got so media savvy but so but Charlie you ran a did you really run a marathon today I did yeah, 
I paced a marathon. I've got back-to-back pacing gigs. I did a half last weekend, and I did a full this morning, yes. And um, for the first time in my life, and I've paced like 20-some marathons, I did. I failed to come in on time. I oh, would, no. Yeah, I paced 3.30, and basically it's a pass-or-fail type thing. Um you pass by running a 329 something. So whether it's 329 even or 329.59, you pass as a pacer at, at, at that. So you got that minute window that you're trying to hit. Ideally, you want to hit uh, 30 seconds under, but that window is a passing grade. And if you're going to not hit that window, it's better to go too fast and too slow. So that's the rule. Uh, today, okay. I'm in 331.02. <laughs> and I, why was this what happened well you know me every time you point your finger you got four more fingers pointing back at you three four. what did you do i didn't do anything except run my race uh even effort i was given a pace band that was course specific that was very helpful actually because this had a lot of downhill and then some uphill um, it was a very rolling course uh, through East Canyon uh, here in Utah. So gorgeous race, absolutely gorgeous race. And, um, and I hit these mile markers. And when you pace, the best thing to do is to look at what your cumulative time should be at that mile marker. And then just sort of keep adjusting from there as needed. You want to be even, but you keep adjusting to that cumulative time. Okay. And my watch kept... When I would hit these mile markers, I hit mile 23, Steve, and my watch said 22.9. Um, and on top of that, I was a bit ahead. I was like a full minute ahead of schedule on my cumulative time. So I was like, I should probably start to back off a little bit. Uh, mile 20, did I say 23? You said no. 22, but can I, can I interject a question? Sure. How big is your group at this point? I mean, are they are they along for the ride, or do they know what's going on, or is this all happening in your head? Uh, good question. This was a smaller race, um, which I often find myself very alone. I didn't have – I had a few people with me in the very beginning, but they kind of fell off quickly. There was one guy who was very chatty, uh, and he said – well, I got to go use the port john except he was a little more crass. And uh, I probably won't see you guys the rest of the day. And we didn't see him the rest of the day. I had a co-pacer with me. Um, former podcast uh, guest, actually, Ryan Timmy. He and I did it together. Oh, anyway. cool. Hi, Ryan. So, so we said, see you later, bud. And then we didn't have anybody. Then I think mile 11... A uh, young lady passed us, and uh, being the 3.30 pacer, I said, are you going to get a B BQ today? Because that is um, the uh, the first standard for, for women. Uh, she said, hopefully, and then she went out ahead of us. Uh, then a young man <laughs> caught up to us and actually ran with us a bit, and he was from Tulsa, very nice, Jordan. And uh, they both, Jordan at one point fell behind, but then he caught back up and then he got ahead of us. Uh, this girl never caught her name. She kind of stayed ahead of us anywhere from 
10 feet to a thousand feet at any point. So it was kind of yo-yoing. Um, so we did have these people that I think were feeling us behind them and trying to just stay ahead of us. So I'd like to think we were helping them, but, but that was really it in terms of a group for yeah, this. So do you, you see your job then is sort of just to be a present and you're not necessarily bringing people along, but you're, you're there and people can cue off you. And if they're behind, they can see where 330 is. Or if they go ahead, they know that they're good. Is that is that kind of how you see yeah. yourself in these smaller races? That's, yeah. I mean, we are different things to different types of runners. Some people, <laughs> okay. people want to get right on my hip and chat with me for as long as they possibly can. And that's great. That's entertaining. Some people... Is it really? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't mind. I'm... Okay. I'm, I'm here to serve. I, am- I, 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 I ran in a, I did a pacer one time. I've never paced a marathon, but I, I was in a pace group and uh, I'll tell you that drove me nuts. The, the running conversation. Um, it was, the group is pretty large to start and uh, it dwindled, but it was, it started like it was the co- a competition to see who could be the most uh, like silly and um I don't know. It was, it, it, I couldn't concentrate, but so pacers like that, huh? You like I that? Mean, yeah. I, okay. I like, I, I, I am just give, give, give. I just, I'm just a mirror, whatever you want. It just, I'm, I'm bringing it back to you. Okay. okay. I just, <laughs> let me, your wish is my command. They call me the genie. They also call me the metronome. I have a lot of pacing nicknames. <laughs> I'm very good at this. Um, well, so you were good at this before today. Let me finish about okay. today. <laughs> okay, let's let's continue on with the story. You were attacking a different part of my pacing, so I had to defend <laughs> that. But now I'm going to address what happened today. I don't remember if it was mile 23. I definitely remember the mile 23 marker, and I think I was like a minute ahead. So then we backed off a bit you never want to do like extreme things but it's like hey we need to start slowing this down otherwise we're going to come in too early which again you want minute window we were going to be ahead of that so we backed off a little bit mile 24 i don't know maybe 48 50 seconds ahead that was the last mile marker we saw i confirmed later that was the last mile marker that there was um Hmm. Oh, I had this minute or so banked through 23, 24 miles. I don't get any other feedback besides my own watch, which you should trust the the course itself more. And I knew it was a certified course, so I didn't pay too much mind to my watch being under because I figured it would come back to normal by the end. Uh, but what I didn't expect is it to be 26 point three nine on my watch by the time i finished and it was just too much to make up and i had i had seen a mile 25 marker that was truly 1.2 miles away i could have made it happen i know i could have um 26 would have been too late already but it's just very frustrating uh the young man who was running with us we caught up once we were like oh my gosh we're not going to make it so we got to him at least and encouraged him and this was his first ever marathon um 
thank goodness. <laughs> he was laying on the ground, just completely spent, just absolutely knackered. And I, I gave him a fist bump. I said, congratulations, way to go. I knew there was no way he got under 330, which he had said was his goal. And he set all of my anxiety at rest because he said, my watch says I did a three thirty under 330 marathon. And he seemed satisfied with that. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, I did not get a chance to talk to the girl. I, I couldn't find her. I wasn't necessarily looking. And I didn't even want to know right at the moment if she didn't break <laughs> 330. But I looked afterwards and she ran a 330.06, which Oof, really oh. had, really has my blood boiling. Um, she wouldn't have gotten in to Boston but she would have still run a BQ had yeah. I had just a little bit more correct information from the course. So it's, <laughs> I've done 20 some of these now and I've never not made my time. One time I came in too early, similar, like the mile markers are just wrong and you got to yeah. kind of adjust to what those are. So it's, it's very frustrating and I just don't know why race directors it's not a priority for them to get that right i have no issue with 26.4 mile course as long as it's consistent mile markers along the way i'm going to get you in that window but it's just really frustrating that i was yeah it sounds like you got a tenth of a mile dumped on you late that you weren't expecting the perfect storm of a of a erroneously marked course slightly but you know a tenth is slight but it makes it quite big difference doesn't it and and it felt like more than that um because it was close to two tenths just by my watch but of course we know that your watch is always going to be long on a marathon yeah however it was um the race director did uh make a point to stay running against traffic because it was not a closed course and it was through this canyon so it was very windy roads and um you know, you had to pay attention and there was cars and he said, don't worry about your tangents and things because this particular course was measured completely on against traffic. So if you actually are running on both sides of the road, you're going to be cutting the course short. Don't do that. This is a certified course, et cetera, which I thought was a relief. And then I, so I thought maybe that when my watch was showing under at the mile markers earlier including mile 23 and 24 i was like well maybe i will actually come under on this certified course because it was measured a little bit differently but that ended up not being the case so it was it was an impossible assignment for anyone pacing and it was frustrating, frustrating. now that don't take it the corner that was for the the pacers or was that for everybody what do you mean? Oh, no, they, he was, he was, this was announcement to the entire 90 some people in the corral. <laughs> <laughs> so so was, it's go ahead. Sorry. When you, when you race, do you, you, you tangent, right? You tangent everything, right? I mean, oh do you God. tangent so hard. I'm really <laughs> There is, uh, I will say now, I like, I won't, I won't go off the pavement, but yeah, I will not run. And I, I think most everybody is, well, I shouldn't say that most, 
a lot of runners are that way that they will, like you said, tangent hard um, within within reason. But I could not imagine. I know <laughs> for the fun of it, staying taking the long way through because that's how the the race the course was measured. I know what you're thinking and no, I do not cut corners, but no, that's not what I was thinking. I was just thinking that's just an odd, odd announcement for a race director to make. Like, please, please go the long way through the, the curves because that's how well, you get hit by a car. So I understand that. But, um, well now you can, I wonder I, if you can, you can look behind you. You're not going to get hit by a car necessarily. I mean, it's, isn't it worse a second or two seconds every time you go through a curve to gamble a little bit on getting hit by a car? Listen, Steve, I know you're used to your miles and miles of straight roads in Toledo, Ohio that have no curves, no elevation gain or loss or anything, but this is in Utah where we have very winding S-curve roads through canyons. And yes, you really have to stay on the left side. It would be very dangerous to be on the right side of the road. It's pretty dangerous, to be honest, going against traffic, too. There was one car that I had to give a look like, huh, chill, okay? Don't, don't do that. You know, you were a little close. So, but yes, it, it, I understand totally. Uh, him making the point and emphasizing it to stay against traffic uh, because it would have been a dangerous course to be jumping both sides, a- an extra dangerous course to be jumping both sides. Um, but I wonder if he just still kind of made it up because because um, I've never heard of that, though, either. You know, that, a course, it can be certified and only measured on one side. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe listen to this and let us know. I doubt it. Uh, but that was that was a kind of frustrating and, and I know, and I, I heard myself t- telling this to Ryan because he's only paced a couple so far, so he's kind of learning. And um, I felt myself explaining to him there's nothing we could have done better. And I know that's true, but it still annoys me that it's on my permanent record. Wow. Um, yeah. Is there a file somewhere of, among pacers that... Well, it's there is a, I mean, like a, maybe a website that says, you know, Charlie is now a B plus from a used to be an A and now he's a B plus. Well, there is a world ranking of pacers and um, I would, <laughs> I was, I cracked a hundred like two years ago. I mean, I went from, you know, not even named uh, up into the 10,000s, up to the top thousand, up to a hundred, uh, just so fast. But once you get into the top 100 it's really really difficult to keep climbing from there Uh, but i was 12 before this and my perfect record was a big part of that also my beautiful tangents were mentioned um as well but i think this is going to probably put me back at like 247 or something after this so yeah you're going down you're sliding be in my bonnet i'm hoping i can appeal and address the um uh, the uh, the board uh, regarding this and that they'll expunge this from my record so I can maintain my ranking. But, you know, a lot of it is is subjective, too, and they're never going to forget that 331. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I, I think this is a this is a stain. This is a, this is a permanent stain on your 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 uh, jersey, your your 
singlet. Your pacing singlet has a stain now, Charlie. <laughs> There's nothing I could do. I laid uh, it all up there. I gave it all. I ran a perfect tangents. But no, yeah. No, it's an, and uh, have you ever seen that? Like, I've definitely run by him and like, hey, was there? I, I think I missed the mile marker, but the last two mile markers and then confirmed by multiple people. No, there, in fact, was no mi mile marker 25 and 26. You got to be kidding me. Yeah, that is crazy. Um, I, I, I don't recall seeing that. But I mean, you, you know, and especially in a marathon, you count on those. I mean, those are... Um, if nothing, I mean, you have your watch, so you know where you're at, but those mile markers, like you say, they're the official signpost of, of that mile as far as the race is concerned. But just psychologically, you know, it's, it's just another, it's another tick every time you go down, every time you pass one and those, you know, those 26 clicks that you get, it's, it, it sustains you in a marathon, right? Uh, yes. And then Again, as a pacer, I'm sure it sustains it even more. But it's for those important. trying to get a time, it, it's it's sustaining. It's 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 like air. Every time you see a mile marker ahead, yeah. All right, I think we've um, officially bored the audience to tears talking about pacing this long. Let's talk about what this is an anniversary weekend of Steve. One of our best. Yeah, this is, this was, uh, yeah, I thought of this today. This is uh, this is Labor Day weekend, which one year ago was the the twenty four hour relay race, the the one and only I I've ever done or will ever do, and uh, actually came up on my run this morning um, that uh, this is the anniversary of what we call the Battle of Olander locally. But uh, yeah, it was just one of those. Uh, if you haven't heard that pod, it, it was it was a moment in time that will uh, will never be repeated again. But I mean, it was just the perfect storm of of racing and twenty competitive people getting together to do uh, a ten person relay for mano a mano for twenty four hours, and it came down to twenty seconds of uh, of difference. I was twenty thirty seconds. I don't remember to be honest. I've Put that part of it out of my mind because I was on the wrong end, the losing end. But um, yeah, that's the anniversary, Charlie. Thanks for bringing that up, by the way. Yeah. So if you look back uh, a year ago in our podcast or about 25, 26 episodes back, you'll find it, uh, the 24 hour challenge. Um, and we had Steve, who was a competitor on one team, um, Clay as a guest, who was also a, com excuse me, competitor on Steve's team. And then we had Tim who was on the competing team and over 24 hours, a difference of just 20 seconds um, is what kind of shook out. And I felt like at the time, everybody sort of had this kumbaya at camp uh, admiration and respect for each other. Um, that has all dissipated over the past year, just infighting, <laughs> backstabbing, etc. But the thing that I found funny was that all three of you said you would never do another 24-hour relay. How many of those between those two teams, those 20 people, uh, were back at it this year? Yeah, of the 20, I believe zero. Uh, I would be shocked to know that anybody did it. Um, the venue did change. So, I mean, that's the part of it. It's, it's not as user-friendly for the more recreational type of 24-hour racer or relayer, but um, yeah, it was uh, it, like I said, it was it was a perfect moment in time. There weren't any races going on. 
Um, we were, everybody was looking for, for an outlet of our a running rage, I guess would be a way of putting it. And, and that, that served the purpose. So, um, yeah, that's zero is the answer to your, your question, Charlie, zero of us have, are doing it this year. Interesting. I've yeah. got a, uh, a quick thing for you. Not, it's not so much a topic, but uh, topic, but in the news, um, I heard, and I did not confirm if this is true or not, that Boston sent out like eight do's and do nots for the race this year uh, to keep it as safe as possible. And one of the recommendations was not to kiss anyone while running the race. Hmm. Nothing. No, nothing. No reaction to that. You know how I... the Wellesley girls is what they're referring to, of course. Oh, okay. No, um, that that the race wouldn't that just be the oddest uh, don't but in in Boston? Yeah, it's it. It makes perfect sense. And I don't think Boston has ever um, like acknowledged that. That's always been sort of an unofficial thing of it. So it's kind of funny that the pandemic brought this, um, this little tradition into the, uh, the officialness by saying, don't kiss anybody on the course this year. Which I've got to think, you know, there are people that run Boston every single year uh, for yeah. like decades, right? And I'm sure some of them have kissed a girl every single time. I was just yeah. wondering if somebody could just like carry a Hershey kiss for those first 12 miles and just hand one off so then they can keep their streak alive but not break any rules. What do you think? Well, I mean, it's not necessarily a rule, but it's more of a, a guideline. So, but I, I would not carry a, a Hershey kiss while I run just for the sake of maintaining a streak. Well, I'd, I'd put I it in his back bag. I cannot imagine that they need to make that, like, even bother writing. I mean, honestly, who's who's standing out there kissing strangers nowadays anyway? But I would. Whatever. I did it in 2015 when I did it, and I'd do it again. I said nowadays. In 2015, oh, we lived in a different world. But Yeah. I don't know. It's just one-on-one -on -one contact, you know, not kissing a bunch of people. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's, I mean, it's you got to assume the runners are healthy. <laughs> this year, you either have to be test positive or test positive. You have to be, you have to pass the test or be vaccinated. So, I mean, as far as the girls know, the runners are clean. So, I don't know. Yeah, if, if she looks sick or coughing or something, I wouldn't kiss her. So, I guess, I mean, if... <laughs> Don't kiss Typhoid Mary. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I, it's it it's a uh, it, it 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 makes sense as a guideline. But yeah, I guess I guess if you think it through, then maybe it it sounds like Boston's being a little um, like anti-vax because if you're if you're vaccinated, then you should be free to kiss whoever you want. Yeah, but you know what? Think about it. If there is a girl out there that's kissing, gonna accept kisses in this in this environment, she's probably taking a lot of kisses, and that that's when it gets really tricky, right? It does, but everybody 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 either successfully tested or vaccinated, so we're we're assuming everybody's clean. We're in uh, we're in the age of of one hundred percent safety guaranteed. Oh, thank goodness. 
Yeah, I know, right? All right, Steve. Uh, shame on us. Shame, shame, shame on us. And do you know why? Um, I, I bet you're going to talk about the Olympics. That's right. Correct, Amundo, Steve-O. We did not talk about the Olympics, specifically the marathon, which had some pretty intriguing stories that ended up as national news come out of it. And uh, a shame on us. We are a running podcast that really focuses mostly on the marathon. And the biggest event that only happens every four years, five years this time, um, was the Olympic marathon. And we, we didn't say a word about it. So shame on us. And even though it's been like a month now, because you, we only record every two weeks, uh, we're going to talk about it right here, right now. Is that okay with you? That's fine. Yeah. The, the, I find, Charlie, that my interest in the Olympics is directly proportional to how many time zones Olympics are. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't blame us so much for, for missing it. I, it was, it was kind of a subdued event in my opinion, but it was, it, it was brought home by, uh, by one specific competitor that I really enjoyed, but, but go, go ahead. ahead, recap, recap. No, we got to go back a little bit. You didn't watch the Olympics. I, um, missed, I, missed, I missed the women. Yeah, I, I think that was like during a work day that that happened. Yeah. This was like, I want to say a Saturday afternoon or something. Yeah. I did see the men's. I did miss the women's because of the timing. Yeah. Um, I, and the worst part is, like I said, number one, just it's when it's in a weird time zone, everything has to record, you know, my stupid DVR. And I, I set it to record like certain types of events. And for whatever reason, it just missed the women's marathon. So I saw nothing. Well, we did have an American place um, in the women's marathon, but I, yeah. I missed it. And all when I was saying there was a lot of intrigue and, um, some national stories came out of it. Uh, it was all in regards to the men. So I'm sorry. But yeah, who, we should know. What's her name? What's Molly Seidel. Thank you. We're <laughs> a running podcast, but you think she one of there? us doesn't know the bronze medalist. But I know if it was bronze silver at the moment. Yeah. Oh, shame <laughs> on me. We are <laughs> Why does anybody listen to this? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh. But anyway, um, the men's story, and I don't want to hear you talk about your interests or not because it was broadcast Saturday afternoon or something. There's no, sure, I understand. It. Or, or are you saying just because it's several time zones away, the whole thing, it's less interesting for you, even the event you know you should be interested in? No, I mean, it's, it's the Olympics in general. So I did see the men's, I did want to see the females, um, the women's, but, um, I don't know the whole Olympic mood that sort of strikes you where you just, you start watching every rando sport imaginable. Um, that was kind of lost on me. So to me, it was more just two marathons and then a few other things. And that was it. So the, the uh, whole Olympic yeah. excitement was lost on me this year. Yeah, I'll give you that. If it's like uh, a closer time zone, um, then I'm watching everything. I'm like, yeah. I can't get enough. Um, if it's uh, like in Japan, where it was this time, Tokyo, then they're, I, I'm watching probably 80% less in total. But there's one event I can't miss, and that's the men's marathon. Um, because, you know, I don't know if you knew this about me, Steve, or not, but I, I like to run marathons myself. I've heard. Any, 
um, there was a couple intriguing things that came out of it. Um, first and foremost, Iliad Kipchoge is just a man against boys out there. Um, just demolished the field, uh, ran a really disciplined race, stuck around. Um, some pesky American annoyed him, and then he just threw down the hammer and blew away the competition. Uh, there's Michael Jordan in basketball. There's Wayne Gretzky in hockey. There's Tiger Woods and others in golf. But it, it is Iliad Kipchoge in marathon running, uh, hands down. Just an amazing athlete to the point that he's so good steve that it was kind of boring once he took the lead boring that is true he was never going to give it up and he was going to just nail it so i don't want it to be lost just how awesome Ilya kipchoge is how he should be a household name and just an impressive feat once again and correct me if i'm wrong steve there's no doping allegations there's no smoke to him being um, dirty in any way yet or at the moment, right? Yes. I, I, none of that I am aware of, but so, um, and it's a shame he, that he's up to this. So, but I've, I've taken, he's, he's been dominant though from the beginning. So he's not one of these guys that just suddenly came on um, to the scene as, that was there, you know, just sort of hanging around and then just suddenly became great. He's, um, he's always been this way. So it's, it's hard to even cast a cloud on, on runners like that. And his times have improved, but the technology has improved. I mean, the jury's out on the, on the shoes that they do help, especially the most elite athletes. And he's certainly benefited from that, but everyone else out there has the same technology as him and they just can't do it as well as him. He is awesome. And I just choose to take the mindset that, even in endurance athletes where there's so much um, cheating and peds and whatnot, until somebody gets popped, there's no reason to cast doubt on their accomplishments until then. So at the moment I am just over the moon at we're, you know, sharing this sort of generation uh, with, uh, with Iliad Kipchoge, the best that's ever done it so far. Um, And that's really cool to watch even though it really saps the intrigue. But luckily, Steve, there was other things going on that I just couldn't get enough of. Um, there's two in general. Uh, you want to you guess what they are? Was there anything that stuck out to you that we can discuss? Um, let's, the, the top American was um, absolutely annoying. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, I don't hate Galen Rupp, but um, I, I can't stand the chain he always wears that flops around while he runs. It's so irritating. The hat swapping constantly. I, I know there was a reason for it, but he was so much more demonstrative about it than anyone else to, to put on this giant show every time he swapped his hat and then threw his hat and then grabbed a new cold hat. It was like just run the race, be more understated, and compete. But anyway, that's that's my one observation. I don't know if that was one of yours, but um, it wasn't. It wasn't, and I'm it's glad. Not. You, okay, I'm glad you called him demonstrative because that's what's annoyed me. Because you, in the first race that was his like hello party to running marathons, I want to say was the 2016 Olympic qualifier, which he won. Um. I think that might have been his first marathon, actually. 
he had he's of course got um uh he, he's got a silver medal at home for the the 10k i believe mm-hmm. right but yeah so that yeah, kind of gave him this ability to run the marathon in the qualifier and nobody really knew what they he would do but he had a lot of potential and he um faced off against meb who was in you know peak meb shape and jared ward was also in that race in his in his peak and uh galen rupp with like a mile or two left, he took his hat off, threw it on the ground, and really dropped the hammer and ran fast to the finish. And it was really cool, actually. It was just sort of felt like this organic um, thing that he did. This hat just happened to be there. But then he started doing it every single race he did. And it was like, okay, dude, you, you've killed it. It's not. I, yes. Uh, so I'm I'm glad you kind of described him as that. I thought the switching of hats was cool and how they were explaining, um, you know, it's in cold water. It was really hot, uh, humid race and that that was helping. I didn't find him to be too annoying with that. But but he bumped, Me- um, Me- I'm sorry, Iliad Kipchoge. Well, he has bumped Meb before. So that's, he, he's a chronic bumper too. Do you remember what you told me? How there was a, a tweet you saw about how only how there's two guys, Iliad and Meb, are considered like the nicest like, guys, yeah, in the in the sport. And one guy has has made them both or pissed them both off in a race, and the same guy. And it, this happens to be Galen Rupp, who is he's a chronic bumper and runs on people's heels, and you can just see it when he runs. He's he is like so on top of everybody else. And if you guys didn't watch Iliad, uh, Iliad Kipchoge, he he looks back. He does the classic, holding his hands up, palms up to the air, like "What are you doing?" And then he does this. Great, he he does the, like the "No after you" gesture of "Please, yeah. if you if I'm not running fast enough, please go ahead." Uh, which of course Galen did not do. He just kind of smirked and then. Kipchoge just smoked him and the rest of the field the rest of the way. It's like you poked the bear, dude, and he just unleashed. So that was that was cool. If not boring after that, he took that lead and was like, okay, this it is was. It. The only the only thing I'll I'll say on that was I mean, he he didn't like throw in the huge acceleration. I mean, it was a gentle sort of just wearing down and he eventually did when, even when he was alone, he was running as fast as splits, but there was never that moment where he just cracked the whip. You know, it was more of a, I mean, it was almost like glacial, his, his rise in pace until no one could hang on anymore. And then, then he let loose seemingly, but yeah. Say that because like, it maybe didn't feel like he just, um, like there was no, again, that word demonstrative. He didn't do anything demonstrative after that. No. But before you know it, he's got 10 feet from the field. And then you look again and it's like 30 feet. And before you know it, he's gone. Yeah, <laughs> he's, exactly. Like you didn't, you didn't need to run the race to go get a beer. Yeah. <laughs> so it was that. But I thought, and, and we'll eventually talk about the, uh, the French guy that knocked over all the water bottles. No, that's just a drink that though now. <laughs> that was like probably what got more news than anything else, which is really kind of annoying. But at the end of the day, uh, it's a fringe sport still. And, um, and I should say, I did not watch the US or the American coverage. I think I watched online and it might have been British coverage. 
So I, I think I missed certain things that other people were talking about. I didn't notice and, while watching live. This is only something I noticed later. Oh, okay. I didn't. I did not see this. That is. You know what That's happened? The most right? French thing ever. I don't know. Is that? Did he do it to uh, annoy anybody, or was he just clumsy? Or well, let's set the table real quick. Uh, okay. No he they're they're showing this guy, and there's these like eight foot tables, um, just with water bottles, right? Yeah. And, like 20 of them on just the edge of this table uh, for, for the, the competitors, of course. And this dude, he just runs with his hand out and he knocks over 19 of the 20 before just grabbing the 20th. But and, let's, now wait, I have to ask because these are, now, these are the specific bottles for the competitors. Yes. So in aiming for his, he knocked over. No. Okay. Sorry. Another, sorry. They have their own, like, bottles. Spots. Yeah. Um, yeah. They have the name on them and whatnot. No, this was, like, a general table. Like, okay. anybody could have grabbed any of these bottles. Good question, okay. yeah. So this wasn't his specific sports drink or supplement mix or whatever it was. This was just the general bottles of water that were for all the competitors, and he knocked over 19 of them or however many there were before finally grabbing the very last one. And he <laughs> claims that it was accidental. And we all know how delirious you can become in a marathon, but it just is such a coincidence that he knocked over every single one while surrounded by other runners until he got to the last one for himself. And I think I, I saw this as a comment that if they had a more panned out shot, that there was a couple of these tables and he wasn't doing it at every single one. It was just this one table. So maybe he just had... Uh, a bit of the clumsies and uh, oh, the of, of running the bollocks. marathon. <laughs> but he wasn't even like... <laughs> you know how when you're trying to grab something, at least you're like closing your hand? It wasn't like he kept closing his hand. He just was like, boom, 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 with an open <laughs> palm until finally grabbing one so but you know like you like all right so you even you charlie or me rank amateurs like you know what refined skill that is for even us like you say in a 5k i don't not that we take water in a 5k but in small races it is such a it is such like this this moment where you you have to get that water you know it's it's a momentary like there's timing that goes on there's eye contact um, that is, yeah, that is agreed, but you at least know to, cl you need to close your hand. You can't pick up a water <laughs> bottle without grasping. <laughs> it is not the moment to be a bull in a China shop. It is, it is, um, it's like a ballet. And right? when it comes down to it, probably if you put a gun to my head and I had to say, I'd, I'd say he did not do it on purpose. Actually. I think he was just knackered and just lost and, and the fact that there were so many tables, I, I don't think I don't think he actually did it on purpose, but it did not look good. Possibly, but I mean, I I think it is the position of this podcast that marathoners are good at marathoning or running, but not athletes in any other regard. Fair enough, yeah. But anyway, okay. what I found as oh shoot, I forgot. There's one more thing, and I I heard this wasn't on every sportscast i think i was watching on nbc I, I don't know what i was watching on but you had said before 
Steve, that Iliad Kipchoge is a beautiful man. Uh, we talked about sprinters versus distance runners, and you said yeah. you would rather have the body of a distance runner. Yeah, okay. Because the sprinters are just like muscles on top of muscles and whatnot. Well, anyway, uh, during the broadcast, uh, apparently Iliad Kipchoge did like a GQ photo shoot. Yeah. And uh, they showed his pictures, and he was like styling in all these different clothes. I gotta tell you, he is a beautiful man. I'm I'm not sure. I, <laughs> I'm not Thank sure you. I can his body over a sprinter, prototypical sprinter, but he is a beautiful man. I think that's going to be our picture on this episode. I mean, I, to, to clarify, maybe somewhere in between. If we're just talking like, what body do you want? But I, I don't know. Anytime I see see sprinters, especially in the Olympics, so that's the only time I really watch sprinting, but. Um, they're also uh, like, like their their hair is is so colorful, and it's just not me, you know. I mean, they're the women all have thick makeup. The, the men have um, gold chains, and I mean, it's just not me. I, I'm I'm the more understated type. I'm I'm, I'm the more humble, like the the Kipchoge type, I'd say. Okay, he is not, not humble. He is not humble in this GQ shoot. He is looking like a cool calculated killer in these threads and he is he's rocking them i'll have to send you the link later okay of this but uh nothing made me eye roll more that you've said on this podcast when you were talking about people's hair and makeup and we're talking about which body would you rather have you can do your hair and your makeup any way you want but we're talking well i have no hair so if i'm getting their body i'm taking their hair as well okay well if you got the purple hair you can cut it okay can we now talk about what was the most intriguing part of this uh, Olympic race? And it was the fact that in that pack right behind uh, Kipchoge, I think there were four at first, and then it came down to just three down the finisher's shoot, uh, three competitors for two medals. And that alone is just drama, right? Yes, you is not going to do it. And the divide between third and fourth in most races is not that big. But the difference between getting an Olympic medal and just missing an Olympic medal, it's monumental. Do you agree? Yes. Somebody is going home empty handed. So that was insane to watch. Just like, oh, my gosh, these guys are in so much pain. Their legs have got to be killing them and they still need to find a way to dig deep and get a medal or not. And it came down to three dudes. There was one guy from the Netherlands, one guy from Belgium and uh, a Kenyan guy. So the three of them are running and maybe a couple, I can't remember exactly where it was, but it was late in the race the Netherlands guy takes a little bit of a lead, maybe two and a half miles to go or so. And he's looking back seemingly at the other two and doing the, the, um, you know, the hand gesture of come on, come on, like catch up, hurry up. And I'm like, Holy cow. Is this guy like trash talking in the <laughs> middle of a marathon? Is he challenging these other two? Cause that was just bizarre to me if because that's what it looked like to me. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that is not the attitude I would have in a race. I would just be hoping that one of these guys would 
give up or back off. I would not be challenging them to keep going. So that was crazy to see. Then we get to maybe 800 meters left, not very far at all, like a half mile, uh, maybe even less. And the commentators were saying that, that this guy from the Netherlands has a really good kick. That's kind of part of his strategy and one of his strengths. And they were surprised to see him not using it yet. And still he is looking back. And now it was clear he was ignoring the Kenyan and he was looking specifically at the uh, guy from Belgium and like yelling at him to catch up. And this guy was behind the guy from Kenya at the moment. And then finally he did the guy from Belgium, like puts his head down, gets ahead of the guy from Kenya finishes right behind the guy from Netherlands for third place The guy from Netherlands and Belgium gets second and third. And the Kenyan guy um, got fourth immediately. The guy from Belgium and Netherlands just embrace and are like crying. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I wonder if they know each other, if they're actually friends. And it turns out they are, they're training partners. And that was just so crazy to me. What, what are your initial thoughts on that, Steve? Well, the, the coverage I watched, they actually did know that they were friends and training partners. So right from the start, it was, it was pretty apparent. Um, according to the, the announcers that that's what was going on is that he was urging on his, his friend. But okay. I think the other part of it was that the Kenyan really did seem to be running himself out. I mean, he was the pacemaker. And I think that the was it it was the 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 from the, the guy from the Netherlands, um, the runner from the Netherlands, um, correctly guessed that, you know, the Kenyan was running himself out. So yeah. I think he did see the potential that he and his training partner could get second and third if his if his Belgian training partner could just get back up. So Yeah, um, you're saying he guessed. I thought when watching it the Belgian guy actually looked most fatigued. And at one point the Kenyan did take a, and by lead, it's like half a second, not even like two feet in front of them. The other two with like, I don't know, man, a mile and a half left late. And it was like, Oh gosh, it looks like the Kenyan is going to drive ahead and, and get second. I thought that for a minute. Um, but assuming what you're saying is right. And, and I'm no reason to think it's not that, that the Netherlands guy, knew where he was and figured where his buddy was and figured where the Kenyan was. How much confidence is that? Do you have in yourself at that moment? Just think of a marathon. How many things can just surprise you or catch you off guard and really, really just knock your, your race plans off their horse late in the race. And this yeah. guy seemingly holding back and like dragging hypothetically his buddy along when still some, one of these three is not getting a medal. I just found that to have be huge brass, you know, what's to have that confidence in his kick and his state at that point and confidence that he knew what was going on with the Kenyan guy um, to do that, to risk, losing a medal when if he felt good, he should have just separated and went 
and gotten second by less time from Iliad and more time between him and whoever was third. But I don't know. He chose to stick around for his friend. And I just think that 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 was really, really cool. It was inspiring that they helped each other. My wife, since she's a better person than me, she watched all of this. And I mean, she's not a running fan or anything, but like the, the drama was just so obvious. And her first comment was like, I feel bad for the Kenyan guy. Because <laughs> they were just so happy, like uh, embraced and like crying and just uh, over the moon for for meddling, of course. And poor Kenya. I'm like, oh, it's okay. Kenya has enough marathon medals. Yeah, be all right. <laughs> Big picture. <laughs> well, anyway, I thought that was just so intriguing. Um, it was. Of- it was definitely drama where there was very little drama so that i almost forgot about that that whole storyline but but yeah it was neat to see it play out and you know i honestly think charlie that's a that's a pretty typical and common i mean i think they were all of east african descent and i i think those um those runners do have the a tendency to kind of run to their competition as opposed to well who doesn't um, i don't think that's uh, like you it's so hard to do more than what you think you have to or or can do yeah Um, but i'm just saying when especially when you watch races where it's it's only east africans um they tend to look around a lot at each other and i think they just know each other a lot better um you know they're sort of on the circuit and they just have a better sense of each other than than when they're you know when they're in these major races especially um, but they, they, instead of running the, the race or the course or, or trying to make bold moves, they're, they're just very aware of, of each other. And it, it's a, to me, it's a far more interesting kind of race to watch. Even, even so, to, to risk the medal, though, to, to base, even if you think you have the best intuition and, and that's just how it generally plays out in many races, to really put your trust in that and not to just go take your medal the safest way possible. Um, I don't know. Maybe that guy knew that the Kenyan had no kick and was dying and that his buddy on paper could do it or whatever. I I don't know, but it still was, was interesting to see um, that, that running relationship. I'd like to think if you and I were out there, Steve, you'd be pulling me along. Um, even if you could go out and get your silver medal and leave me in the dust that you'd be, I would, I would need to be on a bicycle, but yeah, I would pull you along. (laughs) Why is that? You're my rock. Oh, I forgot. I'm a rock as well as many other things. I'm somebody's rock. Let's end this. Charlie. That's yeah, that's that, that is heartwarming. So heartwarming moments in running is, is something other sports just don't have. That's right. All right. Uh, we are the Running Buds. You can reach us uh, at Gmail. We uh, Running Buds Podcast at gmail.com. We're on Strava at Running Buds Podcast. Uh, we're at Twitter at Running Buds Podcast. Oh, and we're on Facebook. We have a Facebook group uh, at Running Buds Podcast. Um, give us a like and a follow there. It's a great way to keep up with new episodes and other stuff that crosses our little minds uh, in regards of running or funny stuff. Um, I've got a song for us, Steve. Um, I can't think of anything that relates. Do you happen to have a song that actually relates? I want to hear yours. I, I don't. 
Okay. We have a lot to relate to, so that's a no. What you so got for us? I just heard this song recently. It's and I enjoyed it, and I think it'd be fun to run to on a mix. So we're gonna go with Joy Wave, Tongues. All of our music can be found on our Spotify playlist. Just look up Running Buds episode music. Uh, links are also in any description of the show we have on all the listening platforms. So check it out there. So the the song of this episode is Tongues by. Oh, last time too, we talked about um, player. I'm sorry. I thought it was Ace was uh, Baby Come Back. It's player. I, 70s yacht rock bands. Oh, yeah, wow. we need to start. We need to start um, finishing shows with errata from from previous episodes. All of our mistakes and corrections and retractions. Well, there was another one because I listened back recently, and um, we did ebbs and flows, and I just, I just used it backwards. I'm so dumb sometimes with words. I don't know why I do this. Anyway, uh, we are the Running Buds. Until next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. Cool. All right. Good deal. Yeah, we're off to dinner. What's up? Yeah, we'll talk to you. Bye. All right. Yeah, you too. Charlie. I'll give you an Australian kiss. You know what that that is? I do not know what that is. Well, you know what a French kiss is? Uh, yeah. Well, an Australian kiss, French kiss, but it's down under. Running buds. <laughs>